Welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we're going to talk to Russ and Jake Smith, Smitty Bates, and we're going to talk about sucker fishing. If you're not into sucker fishing, stick around. Hopefully you'll pick something up for, you know, in potential locations or whatever for fall. I had a customer, not a customer, I had a listener ask us about, I mean, he might be a customer too, but I, I don't, I can't say for sure. I'm assuming maybe he is. Anyways, he asked me about sucker fishing, wanted to know the ins and outs, whether or not we can help him out with getting him started on sucker fishing. And because it's becoming, I'd say more, it's been popular in Wisconsin forever, but it's becoming a little bit more popular in Minnesota, wouldn't you say, Carrie? Yeah, I'd say it's becoming, it's kind of, it's weird over here. There's definitely more people trying it, but then you have the old school group that's very like anti. They're not ever going to use a sucker type of thing, but it's a lot more difficult over here because you either have to sucker fish or cast. You can't do both. Where in Wisconsin, you can do both. You can run one sucker rod and still be casting. Here, it's here you get one line, and if you choose to sit and watch a bobber, you choose to sit and watch a bobber. Yep, over here in Wisconsin, you're lucky enough you don't have that option. I'd imagine people in Illinois, you you know, you probably get that option as well. Ohio, I'm imagining you probably run suckers anywhere you want to, but most of them don't have the rod limits like you do over there in Minnesota. So it's like right. I said, you got to choose. So as uh, if you've you know gotten this far in the podcast, you realize I asked Carrie about things, not Brad about things. Brad ditched <laughs> us again. <laughs> so He didn't really ditch us. He did ask. He was getting a little worried. I talked to him earlier. He was getting a little worried that there was nothing scheduled for a podcast yet. And I'm like, oh, it's at 6 o'clock tonight. Yeah. And he's like, oh, so Jeff doesn't even call me anymore and <laughs> let me know what's going on. I'm like, well, he does know that you're fishing and you're not going to participate. So Right. If he's not going to be on, then it <clears throat> seems like I might as well just go talk to you, right? Why run anything through Brad if, Brad, if he's not going to make it anyways? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. You can maybe text him, though. I think he might be feeling a little bit left out. Well, all right. That's fine. I'll, I'll include him <laughs> again. I, I honestly haven't heard from Brad in, like, I don't know how long it's been. I mean, we did the last podcast with him, but prior to that, I only heard from him during the podcast, and I haven't heard from him in the previous probably, I don't know, like three weeks, and I haven't heard him since the last podcast. Yeah, I, ironically, though, Carrie... With you and me doing the podcast, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're always more than just like two days ahead of the podcast, so we're always ahead of schedule <laughs> right now. Yeah, a little bit. Well, we're, tr we're trying anyway. Right. I mean, you know, sometimes with Brad, we're doing it on Monday night, and we hopefully have to try to get it edited on Tuesday and get it out for Wednesday, whereas so far, you and I working together, this has been a little bit smoother operation than, than dealing with Brad. Not saying Brad's disorganized. <laughs> his schedule is just a little tougher to work around his, a little bit. His schedule, especially this time of year, is much tougher to work around. There's yes. no doubt about it. Yep. So Brad will be back eventually. You know, we've said it before in the podcast, and we'll say it again. If you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventure, it's fall time now. You can check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. Of course, we are your source for musky gear for fall. We have it all. I mean, if you're looking, well, that was a nice, nice uh, rhyme. Anyways, wow. <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> Anyways, we have what you need, sucker rigs. Uh, we're going to talk to Smitty's. We have their rigs. We have the Shumway rigs. I'm sure that the Smitty's would much prefer that you use their rigs. And all rigs, you know, all the rigs that we carry are, are great. We also have some stealth tackle rigs. And so hey, we have those. Hey, you know what I prefer, Jeff? What? 
I prefer you throw bucktails. Yeah, we'll we'll let you get your shot in at talking about bucktails here in a second. <laughs> if you're looking for rubber, that's also a very big popular thing this time of year. We have bulldogs. We have more bulldogs than we've probably ever had at this time of year ever. We have a bunch, and we still have a bunch more coming. So if you're looking for bulldogs, check that out. Hopefully in the next, uh, I don't know, week or two or so, we might actually have a few new color options as well. Uh, Medusas, we have those. Uh, Red October tubes, we have those with a bunch more of those coming as well. And we do have blades. You know, if you're looking for your musky mayhem tackle, we still have it. But we'll let you, we'll let Carrie talk. Oh, and the, the place you're going to find it all would be www.teamrhinooutdoors.com. And then, Carrie, now is your chance for you to try to sway people away from fishing with rubber and suckers and throw big blades. Because I know you tell me that if musky anglers would just throw big blades in fall, they would still catch muskies on blades. It's not they just a summer would. thing. They would. It's not just a summer thing. I, I can even dig up the pictures if I need to at some point. But um, if you're looking for big blades, you can find Musky Mayhem Tackle at muskymayhemtackle.com. You can find out what's going on with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Brad has been, some of the reason he's been gone is he's been diligently working on getting some video stuff done. So hopefully that'll all, you'll get to see all that this fall or this winter would be. Otherwise, should we talk to to Russ and Jake? We probably should. It's Friday night at 630 and... We should be hanging out at a supper club, eating fish, because that's what they do in Wisconsin. They do that. Do they do that in Minnesota too, Carrie? Normal people do. I'm hanging out, waiting for my fishermen to come back to make fried rice. Right. Well, I'm hanging out in the shop at six thirty on a Friday night because that's what we do, just so we can make sure we bring a podcast to you each and every week, as we've done for I don't know a hundred. What is this one? 30, be? This will be one thirty-two. I think one thirty-two. We've done it one hundred thirty-two weeks in a row, every single Wednesday morning at five a.m. Unless for some reason my podcast doesn't launch and then I got to go manually launch it at 7.30 when I get out to the shop. So anyways, with that being said, let's go talk to Russ and Jake and learn a little bit about soccer fishing. Sounds good. All right. Our guests this week are Russ and Jake Smith. We've had them on, I don't know when it was. Oh, it was right before the season started. We had them on. They were talking about, uh, you know, kind of a Northern Wisconsin preview and guys, we're kind of wrapping up the season. Well, I would say wrapping it up, but this will be our last podcast of September. So October, November is, you know, typically our, our listening audiences, that's when they're, they're still fishing yet. I mean, the season will go into December, but we'll see what happens as far as weather goes. As far as the weather goes right now, looks like the season's going to go on forever because down here by us, I mean, I was even looking, you know, the next week or so for forecast and, you know, we're still in that uh, 65, 70 degree range. I was talking to, um, Steve Jensen, Jensen's fish hunts up in Hayward today. He told me that, you know, the water temperature is still about 66. And so we're going to, we're going to get people talking about suckers and we'll kind of talk about that as well, because a lot of people think that, you know, they can't run suckers all, all year long. And I think we're going to, you know, kind of go down that a little bit with you guys as well. But First off, Russ and Jake, how are things going? What's uh, What's been going on in the water for you guys, and what are you guys seeing for water temperatures? Uh, the fishing's been pretty hot here for us. The water has dropped some, um, not quite as much as we'd like it to drop. I had uh, 63 or 62 or 63 today, and um, you know, over the weekend it was 65 or 64, right in that area. So we're still in the, you know, the lower, getting into the lower 60s now. So it's it's, the fish have definitely been um, 
turning on a little bit, but it sounds like, you know, the weather is going to hold out. We're not getting, you know, into the thirties quite yet at night. So, but, you know, we're looking forward to, to seeing some cooler weather last year. By this time already, we had two pretty heavy frosts. Uh, this year we haven't had any, the coolest uh, night was 37 degrees so far. So still looking for some cooler weather and I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, I was uh, talking to Steve. I think I want to say almost at this time last year, by the end of September, I want to say a bunch of lakes had probably turned over really close to, if not, because we definitely had that cold blast in the middle of September last year. So for sure, different yeah, conditions. Not, I could see the thermocline today was like around, I don't know, 20 feet or something. So there's still not, not close to turnover. I mean, they may be close, but it's going to be a little bit yet for sure, depending on the weather that we get. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what, what's been going, what's been working, where are you finding fish right now? We found, we found them everywhere. Actually, right now we, over the last weekend, we, we caught muskies every way you could catch them way shallow weeds, really shallow weeds. And then, um, you know, suckers, we caught them on suckers blow the boat and, you know, 15 feet of water. And then we caught open water fish trolling. Uh, so we caught fish all three ways they're scattered all over the place and you got to really hunt for them and work for them but we had a really good weekend between my dad and i we caught our group that we were on we caught 13 muskies so everybody was pretty happy yeah it's been pretty exciting with some of the fish that we've been seeing too we've been seeing some bigger fish and finally uh we caught a fish that i've been hunting for a while it wasn't a monster but it was a 45 incher and uh, I've seen that one several times, and uh, we finally caught that one in just a small lake, too. It wasn't a very big lake, and temperature, water temperature over there was 61. Caught it on a sucker on a float rig that I had it set down at about, oh, six or eight feet over some cabbage beds there. And I saw that fish several times recently, and uh, it followed lures many times, but it never opened its mouth, but it couldn't pass up that uh, that fresh piece of meat in front of them. Well, that kind of leads us into where we're talking about today. So I had a, le- a listener reach out. I want to know more about sucker fishing. I would say suckers go like Friday fish fries in Wisconsin. Like it's definitely hand in hand. You know, guys love them. We, we run them all the time. And, you know, it's just like commonplace here in Wisconsin, especially up in the north by you guys. It's becoming more popular in Minnesota, although the one rod limit, I think, keeps guys from, I mean, because there you need to choose. You either need to run a sucker or you need to cast, and a lot of guys still want to cast, and I understand why they do that. And in Wisconsin, obviously, we get the option there. You can, you know, you can still run suckers, and you can still cast. So, you know, for us, it's, uh, you know, it, it's an extra opportunity for us to catch muskies. That's really huge, Chef, because, like, in our case, with uh, work, you know, boat control and everything else, but it was nice today when we started, but the wind switched around, and it, it dropped about 20 degrees today, and it got pretty cold and windy, but it, it worked pretty good today because I, I had the guys casting. He had a really good smash on a, one of our jerk baits and it missed it, but the fish came out of water. It was a good fish. And shortly after that, it's been in small windows that the action has been really good. But uh, shortly after that, the one guy had a follow-up figure eight, but it didn't take. And as soon as the boat moved a little ways, uh, it the one on the float, which was set down at about six feet is all, and uh, and muskie grabbed the uh, one on the float. So that's one advantage about casting and trailing suckers is 
a lot of times the anger that's casting is bringing some of the muskies out to the suckers and the guys that strictly like say in Minnesota where you strictly can do one or the other a lot of times that sucker bite isn't as good because you're not having people retrieving lures at the same time as you're trailing suckers and and that a lot of times that's what brings them to the bait is the, the angler that's casting let's start at the beginning ross especially i'm sure that you were the one that started out so i know you'd been making you know sucker rigs for a while what decided you know why did you decide to start selling them well, the thing that that really got me in the beginning, Jeff, was I didn't like the idea of a muskie swallowing a big square 10 odd sucker hook. And, you know, if you wanted to release it, you'd cut the leader and stuff like that. And it was kind of a proven fact that most of those fish were high mortality fish. So um, one of my friends, John Schultz, who was a guide and a good, really good friend of mine, we worked on a quick set rig that we thought was, you know, one of the better ideas and stuff like that. And we tested the rig a lot before we started to sell it. And it was a great hookup rig. And you did, we often thought that, you know, when the muskie starts to bite, it's a small window sometimes. And that window of activity would be used right up when you're sitting there waiting for a muskie to swallow a uh, hook, you know, the, the big sucker on a single hook rig. And, you're wasting all this time, even it might have been a 30-inch fish that you're sitting over it for half an hour from the swallow it. And we, I didn't like it. My friend John didn't like it. And I didn't like hooking them deep. And so we rig, made this rig. And John Schultz, was, uh, he was a good partner of mine that helped us develop that. He worked on it. I worked on it. And we liked the idea of catching, you know, setting the hook right away, hooking them in the mouth, releasing them, and not, you know, really deep hooking them or injuring them with a with a single hook rig and uh that's how i did decided to start selling them because well after a while they made it a law that you had to use a quick set rig but at the time when i was first making them it wasn't a law that you had to use a quick set rig on a sucker so it, we did we developed that way before they made it that you had to use a quick strike rig i like the idea of hooking them in the mouth and releasing them and not worrying about you know a fish sitting over a fish for a half an hour from the swallow the doggone sucker and then it's a 30 inch fish that you know is just hanging on to it It never would swallow it it's just hanging on and killing your sucker and stuff like that so that was one of the reasons that we came out with it is that the law in minnesota too or is it just wisconsin i'm not really sure i don't fish in minnesota or i haven't fished there uh, yeah i'm not sure i don't know exactly all the the rules over there but for here, if, if it's a sucker over eight inches, you have to be using a quick set rig. I guess you can use a circle hook. I'm not sure if many people are really doing that, but mostly oh, all the sucker. You can't use those big, huge square hooks that my dad was talking about. They're like 10-aught hooks, and right. I'm sure it would not be good on the muskies. Yeah, well, yeah, even if it's not a lot, it's, it's probably better to use your quick set rig. Anyway, I have done next to none, if not none, no sucker fishing in my life for that one line reason. So we cast all the time. So I don't, I don't have a clue. I guess I didn't realize that was even a law in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, it's a good law. I'm glad that they outlawed those huge hooks because they were really bad for the fish. Yeah, for sure. They even made bigger ones back in the day. They made, 
up to a 14 knot. I mean, I mean, I, I can, I picked up fish that were floating on the top that somebody released that there was a hook sticking out of the side, a big, you know, giant sucker hook sticking out of the side of the fish that the guys cut the leader and let it in it. And eventually that fish is going to die. I mean, there's so much, uh, you know, stuff inside of the fish, like their liver and things like that, where the hook could penetrate through the stomach into that part and the fish isn't going to live. So we, we didn't like the idea. My friend John and I didn't like the idea that, that, uh, you're going to kill these fish and, and we wanted to catch them again someday. And, uh, and that's why we came out with it originally. And that was before they even made the law that you had to use a quick strike rig on any sucker over eight inches. But that was primarily why we, we did that. And, and I'm glad I did because it saved the lives of a lot of fish. We've come a long way in the sport of musky fishing. This is just one more way to, you know, we have better conservation now than what we used to have back in the day. I mean, Russ, I'm sure For you sure. can tell us lots of stories. I, you've seen it all. You've, I mean, like I said, I've said it on past podcasts. Nobody's probably seen more changes in musky fishing than you have. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's this way with this too. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure because, uh, well, back in the day, they didn't care because they were going to kill everyone that was legal size. So most of the time, they, you know, I can remember resorts that had, a you know, a, a scale there and they would bring the mus- the dead muskie in at the end of the day, hang it on a scale. Everybody took sectors and it was such a big thing. But that's, that's not in anymore. The thing is coming in with a nice picture of a nice release was more important than seeing a dead muskie hang in there. All right, so, you know, one thing we talk about, you know, we've talked about before is a lot of people, or I, I brought it up anyways, a lot of people tend to think that early fall or fall is when, you know, the majority of the guys are running suckers. I say guys all the time. It's anglers are running suckers. Is that what you guys find as well, or when do you think the best time to to be sucker fishing is? Well, the best time is right now, September and October. But like you said, we've caught them all year round especially in June, have done pretty well with uh, the suckers. The problem in the summertime is the water gets a little too hot um, and the suckers don't live really well. They're stressed from, you know, being drugged behind the boat and they might live an hour sometimes at the max. I've used them uh, for guiding some days when I, you know, had some first-time fishermen and I figured it was an extra chance, um, you know, for them to catch a muskie. So sometimes... Uh, in the summer, I'll drag one around a little bit, and you have to keep them deep, deeper than you normally would, so they're down in the cooler water. Um, but right now, September and October, you know, lots and lots of fish that we catch are on on the suckers. That's the prime time uh, right now, Jeff. But one year, my goal was uh, to catch a muskie on a sucker every month of muskie season, which I did. That I just. They, they will eat suckers all year round. It's just like Jake was saying, to try to keep her sucker alive when you get them out of a 45-degree uh, bait tank at a bait shop and you drop them in 75-degree water, they get shocked pretty fast and they don't usually live very long. But on the years when I was trying to catch one all in every uh, month, was I, uh, I blended the water a little bit with the bait shop water and kind of got them used to it a little and then I'd put like two ounces of lead on them and drop them down into deeper water and uh, they lived pretty good when you got them down deep and uh, 
that one summer I know in July I, I caught a muskie uh, 42 feet deep on a on a sucker on a little rock pump out in the middle of the lake and so it does work it's not the easiest uh, method to do in summer but by far like Jake said this is the time of the year that it's really the best time for using uh, suckers right now. You know, the one thing I think some guys miss out on too is a lot of people think that this is, you know, just a fall time, you know, and much like you guys alluded to, I mean, Russ, you just said you can catch them every single month is I think, you know, I don't know. Did you guys start out running them in the, in the early part of the season? Cause I know a couple guides up in Northern Wisconsin, they do that right away. Right. You know, it gives them a couple opportunities to catch fish in the early part of the season that, you know, guys aren't taking advantage of. Yeah. It's a really good time to run suckers. First thing off, as soon as the season opens, uh, we cut a lot of them. Then this year we caught a lot of them on suckers. First thing, you know, Memorial Day weekend, and everybody talks about small baits and and um, you know you can go out with a 12 inch sucker or or larger 14 inch suckers. We caught them on in, in spring, and uh, they're eating them for sure. Actually, I think uh, the spring Jeff uh, is when they eat them the fastest. I mean, when you get a hit on a sucker in June. When the season first opens, you got to get on that rod immediately because if you don't, he's going to try to woof down the hooks and treble hooks and everything. And then they really eat them fast. And after they're done spawning, they're, they want to fill up a little bit on stuff and their bellies are empty. And so actually, I think that the, the, the bite on a sucker is actually more aggressive then than it is now. Sometimes now they'll swim up to it, grab it, and they don't really try to swallow it like they do like in June. I mean, you got to be on top of your game. Otherwise they're going to be taking it down. So I always tell my clients to immediately, as soon as you hear that clicker clicker go, and I know that it's a muskie on there, I hand them the rod and you stock it to them right then. Cause otherwise you're going to hook them deep. We talked about, you know, why you got started on the rigs. You also have a bunch of options and, you know, we're going to talk mostly about your stuff today because you guys were kind enough to come and, you know, come out and, you know, talk to us about this stuff. There's obviously a bunch of different rigs available on the market. Obviously you guys feel like yours is the best. You offer a, a bunch of different options. Let's talk about, you know, why you're going to use certain, certain rigs over other rigs and, and kind of go through your lineup a little bit. It has a lot to do with the size of the sucker with the different rigs that we make. You know, there's, two sizes of rigs that we have uh, the larger um, all have the three aught muffed hooks on them and the smaller rigs have we're using eagle claw one aught hooks on and uh, they're available and uh, with a single treble or two trebles on them i like to use if i'm fishing in the weeds more and you know having less hooks on your sucker it gives you a, definitely you know less weeds that you're going to be snagging along the way so and um I'll, I'll use the single treble rigs and then later on like now when we're you know fishing with a little bit deeper sucker we go to two hook rig a lot of times yeah like using the two hook rig right now i mean it depends too like some some cases where there's a lot of wood or stuff like that uh you know the less hooks you have on the less you're going to get hung up i mean you do get hung up. I thought I was going to lose the rig uh, yesterday because I was in a crib, but I got it out. I backed up and got it out of it. But uh, you do lose a few rigs because of, of the the bottom structure that you're fishing. And uh, like today, the fish we had, uh, I, we, I know we saw that one 
earlier chasing the lure. And then, like I say, we drifted through there again and it nailed my sucker on a float and then we ended up catching the fish. It wasn't a big fish, but my client was happy. And that's all I'm doing today is, uh, today was to make them happy and they're glad they caught a fish. And every day that's how I look at it. I mean, I wish it could have been a monster, but it wasn't, but it was still a fun fish to catch. So let's talk about turnover. Cause we're going to, I mean, eventually we're going to get there. Like I said, some years we're there already or getting closer to this year. We're definitely in the pre turnover phase. So, Let's talk about sucker fishing pre-turn, pre-turnover. Where are you setting your suckers at, how, you know, depth-wise? What's your setup kind of like that? And then we'll talk about what happens when you're going, you know, post-turnover. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of start that conversation there. Well, right away, you know, when we first started fishing them um, early in, you know, first part of September here, we'll run uh, a sucker on a bobber. And sometimes, you know, you set it at the depth. If you're in real shallow weeds, you might set it at right where the line uh, meets the sucker rig, and you'll, you don't have any line out at all if you're fishing really shallow weeds. As the season goes on, I'll move that um, you know down to six, seven, eight feet on, with the uh, float rig. And then I always have, uh, later on in the season, starting like now, I like to have a rig uh, sucker directly under the boat. And I usually keep them pretty close to the bottom, so I'm always adjusting the um, sucker up and down and and keeping them within a couple feet of the bottom. Yeah, I agree on that one completely. Uh, A lot of times, Jeff, if you pay a lot of attention, like today I was really paying attention to the suckers, uh, and I was yesterday too, but if you pay a lot of attention with the suckers, like we were fishing a weed line uh, where it was a good break, where it broke off when it was clear, you you keep adjusting your your deeper one so you know i have a line counter reel which i i want to mention that that that's a big help with your when you're fishing a deep sucker especially the one on the float doesn't make too much difference but the deep one you count them down to and i i'm talking about weight i mean i had like probably two ounces of lead on that on that one today just the rubber course anchor i twist on there and and get it down so it stays down on the deep one. And I don't leave it out behind the boat. I leave it right under the boat, just like Jake said. And I'll count it down and look at my uh, line counter reel and say, well, it was uh, yesterday, especially it was uh, 16 feet deep where the boat was at the time. And I and I adjusted, I had it set at about eight on my line counter because we're coming over a point of a, a bulrush bed. And I dropped it down to uh, 15 or 14 feet and, right away it got smacked so uh if you get closer to where the bottom is you you really have a lot better uh chance so if you pay a lot of attention to your deep sucker and uh, you know the clients are casting away and 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 i'm i'm trying to uh control the boat and also uh keep the sucker uh down there where it should be you're going to catch fish by doing that i'm telling you following the following the contour of the lake is really big when we get into after the lakes are turned over like right now we don't have any suckers below 20 feet. When you get after the lake turnover, a lot of times we'll have them at 30 feet or 40 feet even. Right now, if you put a sucker at that depth, they would die, you know, there's no oxygen down there. So you got to keep them up now. And then as you get later on, you can drop them down a lot. And I will sometimes not even use any float rig anymore. I'll just use two, um, you know, drop one all the way down, maybe like 40 and keep one up around 
30 or something. And we, we do catch a lot of deep fish later on. When you're fishing these deep fish, do you guys have, I mean, do you have to play them out a little longer or is there not much, you know, worry as far as harm to the fish? Cause I know, we, you know, we talk about that in the summertime. Sometimes if you're catching those fish out of deep water, especially if they're at or near the thermocline, it can be a problem as far as releasing. You find any issues with releasing or is because of the cold weather and the, uh, you know, the turnover period being done, there should be, in theory, there's equal oxygen, I believe, throughout the water column. Is this, do you find this to be an issue or not really? I've never had any, any problem releasing the fish we've brought up from that deep. I don't, maybe it is something with the temperature and, and, um, in the fall, I think too, sometimes you don't, they don't give you a, a huge fight. It seems they come in pretty quick and, uh, they're still pretty charged up when you get them in the net and to let them go, they're, they're still pretty full energy. They take off pretty quick most of the time. I think that if you watch them too, which we all do, we, when we release them, we kind of watch and see what's going on and the less handling of them, uh, you know, swishing them back and forth isn't really the best way to do it. I don't do that very often. I kind of hold uh, by the tail and and watch what they, and you can kind of feel through their whole body when you got a hold of them, what they're doing. You can feel their strength coming back and just take your hand off. And when they make a big swirl and like, I mean, I released some big fish in deep water already and um, when they make a big swirl and they head right back down to the bottom, you know, that fish is going to live that, that if they go down again, like that, that, that fish as well. I know what you mean with, um, you know, the, the fish where you talk, I've caught walleyes in the fall where you, you bring them up and it seems like they're bloated and they don't want to take off on you, but never, I've never seen that on a muskie. I've never seen like that, that on a muskie in deep water in the fall, not, not after turnover, especially. Sure. So let's talk about structure that you're looking for in, you know, particular post turnover, because I mean, inevitably we're going to get there sooner than later. So we're going to be fishing more post turnover after this podcast comes out than pre turnover. I'm, I'm assuming. And what kind of structure are you guys looking for, for the muskies and how important electronics play, you know, with your sucker fishing? Well, in the fall, you know, we start targeting bigger fish a lot of times. So we'll be fishing where there's Cisco. So you, you can see where the Cisco's are start to spawn in the fall and you'll see those on your graph. Sometimes they'll, you'll see them all over the place. They spawn. Usually, uh, most lakes, they spawn on really sharp breaks, uh, areas. You'll find them there. Well, we look for, uh, some of the isolated rock bars too, Jeff. Like, I mean, I call some of my secret spots because they're not on any map, even though the map on my depth finder might show the rocks and, and stuff in some area, you know, bars and certain areas. But there's a lot of spots that I fish that there isn't anything on the maps at all. So uh, some of those isolated spots out from shore ways seem to be good because some of the bait fish start building up there on our deeper clear lakes where you have Cisco and whitefish and stuff like that. So I start fishing some of these rock piles that are really not on some of the maps. I mean, when you're running across the lake, sometimes you see these spots on your depth finder. So I punch it in on my waypoint and come back there. And I might be fishing smallmouth faster, say like in August, there might be a good smallmouth spot out in deeper water and rocks and stuff. And I'll, I'll remember that and go back and fish some of that offshore structure at that time of the year. And some of the areas where the Cisco and, and whitefish are, are always really good at, at in the fall to fish. And, Sometimes the loons will give them away, like 
we got the loons right now. The young loons are feeding heavily. I saw some today that were feeding out in the middle. And so we did go out there and fish. But like Jake said, right now, the thermocline is there. So the, the fish aren't down real deep. But later on, when it turns over, then you're going to get, you're going to start catching fish off, off of those mid lake spots that aren't even on maps sometimes. So you know, when you're running across the lake, if you see something on your electronics, which I'm always finding spots like that. I mean, I've been fishing these lakes for all these years. I still find spots like that that aren't on any map and still catch fish off of unmarked spots that are out in the middle. And those real tiny little spots actually are pretty good. We had one that topped off at 11 feet uh, uh, right now. I mean, it's before a turnover, I top, a little rock bar that's not on any map that topped off at 11 feet. And we caught a nice fish off of there last week, uh, one day off of that little spot. So, those little places like that are what I like fishing more than the well-known huge bars that everybody fishes. There's names for bars and stuff like that that people know about. But I like some of the little spots. That that's where that's where it is key actually for me in the fall. Let's talk a little bit about electronics. If Brad was here, he'd want to know how important side imaging is for you. You know, are you watching your suckers on side imaging? To, you know, to see. You? You know, if there's muskies around, like, do you do anything differently if you see one following on side imaging or, or do you pretty much just let the sucker do its work and, and, uh, you know, just keep an eye on it or what's your, you know, what's the uh, strategy there, I guess. Yeah, I can see my deep sucker on the side imaging. I can't see the one that's on the float cause he's more behind the boat, but my deep sucker, I keep on a rod holder on the starboard side of the boat. So I can see him a lot of times. I can't, sometimes it's not on there. I can't see him, but I definitely see fish come up to him. And actually it's pretty frustrating. Sometimes you'll see him on there looking at it and you can stop the boat and try to, you know, let, let them eat it. And they look and look and look. Sometimes they just swim away. But other times, um, you know, you see them, you'll be able to see him take it. But yeah, we're using side imaging and, and it's definitely, you know, if you, if you see a follow coming on one of your lures, then you, could pull the boat and just kind of sit there. And a lot of times if you wait them out, the fish will take a sucker. I would imagine, I've, and I've been told that panoptics is something else with sucker fishing because you can literally see everything going on right there. I heard it's amazing. I you yeah. th- You'd think since I have it, I would play with it, but I didn't last year. I spent most of my time trolling. I didn't. I don't think I yeah. ran a single sucker last fall. Oh, come on, Jeff. you got to start dragging some meat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like it. It's fun. In fact, I went up fishing with, um, like, this is probably like one of the only times I actually went and did any filming this year. It was, um, with Steve Jensen a couple weeks ago and we got a nice 45 inch tiger on a sucker. Yeah, a nice tiger. I saw a picture of that. That was That's awesome. a nice fish. That was a nice fish. Yep. And that was a sucker and it was, it was a really short window. I mean, we, we cast it and we had a bunch of, you know, fish following. We had fish up and, you know, so we had a bunch of action, but it was like a 20 minute window. I got a nice one, or not a nice one on a dog, like a, a a good solid one on a dog. I mean, it wasn't not huge, but it was it was it was a good solid fish on a dog. And then uh, Steve follows it up with that forty five inch on a tiger, just like said twenty minute window, not moon related. All of a sudden, things yeah. just you know came together, and and two fish pop in the net. It's just crazy how that stuff works. That's exactly how it's been the last week or so. I told my clients, well, today we got one. The first one we got was at twelve thirty, I think, but. Uh, yesterday we got one right away in the morning, nothing, nothing, nothing. And at three thirty in the afternoon, we got the second fish and it's been that way 
quite a bit for me in the last week or so. It's that late afternoon bite. I mean, right at four o'clock, we got one the other day and it's been like that 45 incher we got two days ago. That was at three thirty in the afternoon. So uh, I keep telling, you know, I have different people with me. A lot of times I had guys for four day, one guy for four days, but now I got this group, Jake and I have right now, we have for four days, but I keep telling them, don't, don't get discouraged because there's that window. Yeah. When that window comes, you got to be ready because you're going to blow it otherwise. Well, it happened today again. Late Jake had a lot of action late today, too. Well, we had a big weather uh, front come in this afternoon, but the other days there was no weather change at all. And like this 3.30, 4 o'clock biting thing, it's, there. it's crazy. I don't know what's going on, but yeah. it's been, they've been biting it. That's nothing. I mean, it's always a good thing when you get that figured out as far as, uh, you know, a time of day what they've been biting consistently. I was telling a buddy of mine back, it was, I don't know, who knows, it might have been 15 years now. If I was fishing on Green Bay, if I was out there by um, by sunrise, by within an hour of sunrise every single morning, I'd at least have a fish or lost a fish for probably like two weeks straight. This is back when I nice. think I only had one kid. So I actually fished all the time. I only had an electrical <laughs> business. We weren't super busy. It was, it was uh, a, a good, it was a good deal. Green Bay is really close to home. So I had it dialed in and I felt like a guide back in the day. You know, I could be out on the water. No, every day. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You probably could have been guiding on those days. You had it, you had it figured out pretty good. Yep. As long as, you know, certain place, certain area, they were hanging out and every morning, when we went out there, we had a bite, and it lasted for probably like two weeks. So it was, it's it's nice when they cooperate. They don't do that often enough. Yeah, the crazy thing about here is like it's not just one lake; it's all the lakes we've been on. It's just it's crazy to me. But yeah, you were on a different lake than I was. Well, today we're the same lake, but uh, you were on different lakes than I was, and it was always that uh, about that same time. Bang, bang! There. Yeah, I, I know when I start getting texts from him he sends me a fish picture I better start paying attention <laughs> <laughs> we always tease each other and send each other a picture when we get one so it always gives the other guy a little incentive well I gotta really get going here and get get one yeah so it's been kind of fun texting pictures back and forth <laughs> I, I know it's kind of off topic but how often you guys fish the same lake versus where you know one being on one lake and one being on a different lake oh uh, with the group jobs like we're fishing now more often because it's nice to have you know the party on one lake and then we can cruise over and be out a little bit in between and you know those guys are this guy you know men trips so they some of them guys they don't ever really see each other so they you know it's good for them to swap stories a little bit in between fishing so uh, more often um, i'd say probably maybe only a, like a quarter of our days that we're on group group jobs like that that makes it kind of fun because uh the other guys can give them the business if they got a fish and they you know and it gives the other guys incentive to fish harder it's really kind of fun i i mean i really enjoy being together with jake on a, a group deal like this uh it's it's really lots of fun and we we have a few more coming up where there's where they need several guys well actually there were three three guides out today right on this group That's yeah. Right, yeah. we're supposed to have four but couple guys couldn't make it here uh they were flying in from someplace and but tomorrow there will be four guides in this group so it uh it'll be it'll be a fun day tomorrow too so moving along to we'll we'll move around to um you know tackle that you need that's obviously important thing we talked about some rigs let's talk about rods and reels i know russ you talked about line counter reels for me personally 
I have line counter reels on my trolling setup. I have a, like a three foot fluorocarbon leader on my trolling setup. So I literally will use my trolling setup for my sucker setup as long as it's because I, I use a, a heavier, I think it's a heavy action rod mostly for trolling. I've been using those chaos trolling rods. What, uh, what kind of gear do you guys use? And, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we're like you said, we're using the line counters uh, for the deep rod. Is a is a, after you've used one, you you wouldn't want to go without it because you know right where your sucker is all the time. You know, for your your float or your bobber rod, it doesn't really matter. Right now, I'm using a an old seven thousand that works pretty good for that. Um, and then for the rods, you don't need you know a five hundred dollar rod for a sucker rod. Right now, I'm using the Mojo trolling rods, and I like the nine foot rod. Um, because I think you get a better hook set. You're moving a lot more line with that longer rod, um, and it, it seems to work out pretty good. It's it's good in the cold weather. I, I don't think you could possibly break one of those with the, the hardest hook set that you could give it. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of the system I use. Like Jake said, on my on my uh, deep rod, I'm using a line counter, and uh, you know I'm not using an expensive rod. And on my uh, Matter of fact, on my uh, float rod, we caught that musky today on the float, on the float, and I'm using a, a old red six thousand reel on there. You know, it's a good reel that's been repaired and you know come back to perfect snuff. But anyway, so I'm using uh, an old red ambassador on a six thousand reel with you know good line on it, and uh, and uh, it's got a good loud clicker, which I really like. It's nice to have a reel with a good clicker on. Some of the some of the reels that are made nowadays don't have a very loud clicker, but I, I like the loud clicker because that's music to my ears when I hear that it goes screaming out, and it's, I know it's not a weed when it goes taking off like crazy. So, I mean, you hear click, 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 and all of a sudden, and you know that that's not a weed, and that's real music to my ears. So I do like using... Uh, it's nothing expensive. It doesn't have to be. You got some, I'm sure everybody has a few older reels that have good clickers on. It doesn't have to be an expensive rig and, and it works great for what we're using it for. Actually, a lot of guys, you know, we had all these, now that we've gone to longer rods, there's seems everybody's got a seven foot rod in their garage that um, will work pretty good for sucker fishing that you aren't using anymore. So that's, that's always a good option. And, there's nothing wrong with it. No, it doesn't have to be anything special for it. For line, are you guys running Super Braid, and and what pound test are you using? I've I've heard rumors that you know 100 pound is definitely better than 80. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm using all 100 pound line on mine. We've been using Cortland for uh, you know forever, and it's really a really good line to use, and never had any problems with it. I switched to 100 only because I have had 80 break. And the only reason I think it breaks is because I had a client that um, had a little bit of slack in the line when they set. And if you think about it, if you ever got a truck stuck in the mud when we were kids and you had slack in a chain, you could break a huge chain and that's the same thing. You got a slack in your line and you set the hook and it would break the line and now you got a fish swimming around, you know, with a sucker rig in his mouth and that's never a good thing to have. So, We've been using 100, and I haven't been in, had anybody break 100-pound test yet, so it seems to be working just fine. Yeah, that's a really good point, Jeff, that Jake brought up there. I've had him uh, snap 80-pound tests like store string 
with the Brazil Super Braids. And the, the thing is, I keep trying to tell everybody when I'm coaching them, when they got a bite on a sucker, is don't snap set like, I mean, have slack in the line. You can pop it like crazy. But what I try to tell them is tighten your reel, tighten your line up until you can feel the weight of the fish on it and then just jerk back and don't go back down with your rod towards the water and then set the hook. You, you can pop the line on a big fish, especially if it's a big fish, but make sure that you have your line tight right straight to that fish and then jerk back and, and uh, drive the hooks in instead of, you know, trying to snap real. Everybody wants to set real hard, of course, but uh, if you have a little slack in it, you can pop 80-pound test lines. So I've gone to some of the heavier lines and, one of my rigs, I actually uh, put some 50-pound test uh, mono on, even though there's some stretch in it, uh, and just for that reason, because I've had a few clients snap the, the other 80-pound. But if you go to 100, I think I haven't had that happen with a 100-pound test, but I, I think that's the way to go if you're going to use the Super Braids, like Jake said, is to go to a 100-pound test. I've heard stories of it. I've always been using 100-pound for probably pretty much since my uh... – you know, my musky fishing career and I've always had good luck with it, but I have heard rumors that I think it started because I'm assuming it was probably Steve that taught me how to sucker fish. And he said to me, he's like, you don't want to use 80 cause you're going to break 80. Yeah. You will. Yep. And he said, basically yep. like, like you said, Jake, you know, if you set wrong, it can just snap. It's like, I've, I'm guessing we've probably all done it. I've, I use 80 pound on a lot of my casting rigs. And oh I've, yeah. Yeah, we do too. And, we I've, do too. and I've backlashed with a heavy bait, like a heavy rubber bait before. And I've I seen it yeah. just tink. She's gone and you lose yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, go, there goes your bulldog. <laughs> so there goes 20 some bucks. <laughs> was, was your line still floating on top that you could find it sometimes? It might be. <laughs> yeah. It's never, it's never, you know, a, a wood jerk bait. It's always that, you know, that heavy bulldog. Yeah. And that figures, yeah, that figures. I see you're selling the Cortland line now. Oh, yes. that's my favorite. Yeah. Yep, we definitely have that. So if you're looking for, you know, hundred pound test for your sucker rigs, you know, uh, shameless plug, you can come find it from us. That's that's my favorite line. I've had uh, the eighty pound on my uh, casting reels for you know twenty some years or more, and uh, hundred pound on my sucker poles. I. It, it, it's really great line. It's made in uh, USA and Cortland, New York, which we can support some of our other uh, people that are making things in the USA. So I, I, I really like using that. For sure. All right. So, you know, the, the one thing is, um, you know, depth control obviously is a very important thing when, when you're sucker fishing. I'm trying to think how we can do this where it relates to a lot of people. Cause I know you guys fish some of these deeper, clearer Cisco based lakes, whereas some guys, you know, if they're fishing a lake that only gets to 30 feet deep, let's talk about a couple different scenarios. I guess if you're, you know, let's say you're fishing a weed line, that's 20 feet. How, what's your sucker, what's your sucker setup like? Like, are you only running two? Are you running three? Cause in Wisconsin, if you had a, you know, uh, you know, you and two clients in the boat, I mean, you, I think you could probably actually run like six, couldn't you? Or no, 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 Northern Wisconsin. What is it? You could only run uh, one, one a piece. Yeah, you could run three. One, yeah, you can run three. One trolling line per person. But yep. I've ran three suckers, but it's a little bit of a mess. Uh, I just stick with two. Um, and it, it seems to work. I, I don't see much advantage with three. I'm, I guess it could be, but I just haven't done it that much. I know I usually only run two suckers, a deep one and the one on the float. And 
And say like when you do get the turnover period and you're fishing, say you're fishing a 20 or say you're fishing a 30 foot break edge or something and guys are still casting lures and I'll set my float one halfway down at 15 and I've caught fish that really works pretty good. I've caught fish on uh, the suckers that were halfway down. I use a slip float, uh, which is a, a good thing to use. You could, you know, mark that as a way to go if you're going to be using a, a float instead of those big round bobber ones. Uh, we have a rig that has a teardrop sh- uh, shape uh, float on it, and uh, it's a slip float. So you can adjust your uh, uh, your, your your float rig real easily by just sliding the bobber stop knot up and uh, and going to the depth you want. So if you're in 30 feet of water, you set that one at 15. And you have your deep one that you maybe set at, uh, you know, if it's 30 feet deep, you might have it set at 28 feet on your line counter. And you got everything covered. Sometimes the float one, I always kept track of, I always write in my book at the end of the day what happened. And I always keep track of uh, the float uh, rig versus the deep rig. Some years, the float rig right now, the float rig uh, is winning right now, but we haven't got the turnover yet. But Right now, the float rig is catching more fish than my deep one is, although we caught a, a couple fish last week on the deep rig. But um, like I said, if you pay attention to your deep rig, which that's what I was really doing that day, is really watching my deep rig and counting it down. And I dropped it into a 16-foot hole, and as soon as I dropped it, we came off of an 8-foot little flat off of a point of bulrush bed, and I dropped it down to six to 15 feet. It was 16 feet, and as soon as it got down there, it got wrapped. It, it really works good to keep track of where are the suckers. And like I say, the float rig some years are right now. My float rig is definitely winning. But uh, as you uh, as you progress into the turnover period, usually the deep rig you can count on, that's the one that's going to be the one that's going to catch you your fish. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with the, the float rig, we, the one point is we don't have it way, way, way be, behind the boat you know, 20 or 30 feet only behind the boat. That way, when you get a follow, that sucker is not very far from the boat that he can see it. And I keep that rod. I don't have it in a rod holder. I just have it kind of pointed back behind the boat, straight behind the boat. And then I have the rod holder on the starboard side pointed straight out. So it's basically nine feet out um, or maybe eight feet out on the, on the back side of the boat. So I know there's no hard, fast rules in, in anything with musky fishing. They'll do whatever they want whenever they want to. Is that exactly is that kind of your general setup? Let's just say, so you're going to take whatever depth you're fishing, the float rod is going to go roughly halfway back, you know, halfway depth, and the bottom one is just going to be within about a foot or two of the bottom. Is that kind of the, the program I most of the time? So, I would say so, uh, Jeff, but except the exception is on the float rod, is they're really in shallow, super shallow weeds. Then, like Jake was saying earlier, that, uh, you know, it's a 30-some-inch uh, wire leader on where it ties to your line. Well, the float rod, sometimes you only need about another foot of, uh, of your, your your regular uh, line. So you might only have four feet out when you're in that shallow water like that. So uh, and over the weeds, sometimes you might set it really, really super shallow. Sure. I was just trying to get, get, you know, 
anglers in general, I guess a start out if you're new, you know, new to uh, sucker fishing. Obviously, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, all of our guides take time out of their schedules to, you know, come on and, and help you guys get pointed in the right direction. You know, we ask, you know, if you want more hands-on, you know, <laughs> training, I guess I would say in certain things, it's always a great idea to hire a guide. And unfortunately, I don't oh, think, yeah. I don't think Jake, you're going to get hired anymore this year from what it sounds like. You're <laughs> no. going to be out there fishing until there's ice. I'm, pr- I'm pretty booked up. I'm not taking any more of this. Yeah, I'm booked solid too. <laughs> but I think a really good rule for, let's say you're, you're, you never sucker fish before, you're going to try it, and you want to rig up two suckers, put one at half the depth you're in. That's so what I do. If you're in 20 feet, put it at, at 10 feet, and then put your other one, you know, within two or three feet of the bottom. You don't want to be dragging it on the bottom that you're going to be snagging a log or whatever so but just try to keep that one as close as you can and have one halfway up because we all know suck the muskies are always looking up anyway so general rule jeff i would say what you just said before is a general rule is if you set it half the float rig i'm saying is you set it half way down from the depth that you're in is a good guideline to go by all right do you guys run your suckers with weights and if you do what kind of weights are you using um, I've used both weights. I I really like the weights that are um, have a couple that are you know the round um, bullet or you know egg sinker. egg sinkers that are just directly right on the line because they don't come off. And then if it's a real windy day and you're you know drifting a little bit quicker, you can always add a little bit more and put those rubber core sinkers on. The rubber core ones, um, you know, sometimes they'll fly off on a hook set or something. You might lose them, but. Um, you know, the egg sinkers will always be on there. So the, that works pretty good. Sometimes, I mean, most times I have at least one ounce on uh, on the rod, it seems, and go all the way up to two ounces, I guess, at the most. Yeah, today when the wind picked up real strong in the afternoon, we had a big weather switch up here. And I so I went to two ounces, uh, to a rod, put a two-ounce rubber core on. I was running a boat only at one ounce because there wasn't much wind earlier. And I put a, added a two-ounce piece of rubber core in. That really works. Another good sinker type method is they make a, a like looks like a bell sinker, but it has a little clip on it, and you just clip it on your line, and it'll slide right down your line, right down to the to the sucker to the swivel on your sucker sucker rig, and and I've used those before too. It's actually a slip sinker, but it just clips right on. You don't have to cut your line and retie or anything, and just clip it on. In the case like today where the weather switched and it turned into white caps this afternoon and uh, you could just clip that on, slide it down there and automatically you're at the depth you want to be. All right. And let's talk about drags because I think some people do things differently. What's your drag setup like? Or do you even do you even use a drag? I know some guys will set it really light. Some guys are kind of in the middle. Other guys will keep the bail open on their on their reel. What what kind of setup are you guys doing? Yeah, so when, when we're drifting along, um, the bale's open and just the clicker's on. Sometimes the tension is turned up a little bit tighter um, than it would be like if you were casting so that the line is not just free-spooling, but it also, so when a fish grabs it, it can take it out. And then, you know, when you get a bite, you're ready to set the hook. You obviously engage the reel. Um, and then our drags are not cranked all the way tight, um, all the way down. Uh, mine is not anyway. And, um, but when we set the hook, a lot of times 
I, I tell my clients to put their left hand and thumb the spool itself. Um, and then set the, you know, holding the spool back so it cannot slip when you set the hook seems to be really effective for us. And then that way you're, you don't have to worry about trying to adjust the drag, especially a client that maybe hasn't caught a lot of fish. It's already set and it's not cranked down. And a lot of times you might be really close to the fish. So it might need to take a little bit of line. Yeah. I usually try to instruct the, well, that's part of a guide's job is that, you know, coach your clients and tell them what to do. And I always, just like Jake said, I always, my drag isn't tight all the way down. I mean, it's, it's pretty tight, but I tell them to put their thumb on the spool when they set the hook. And then as they're fighting and if the fish is a, a good size one, I sh- show them beforehand the star drag uh, set up and I'll tell them back your drag, back your drag. They'll listen. Some of them will, not all of them, but a lot of them will listen and back their drag off and let the fish fight a little bit away from the boat. You got a better chance of trying to rip them to the boat real fast. And they're so full of energy and everything. It's, hard for a fishing guy to even net net some of these fish if they horse them in like that so i always tell them back to drag and that's the fun part of catching a muskie is actually having a little fight with them and uh, uh it's 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 all part of the learning experience and that's what my job is to try to teach them something so let's talk a little bit about boat control i know jake that was on your on your list Jake, if you know, for anybody, I mean, you didn't get to see the list, but Jake gave me a nice, you know, point by point list of uh, topics to cover. It's always nice when, you know, people come prepared, which was good because I'd been so, you know, scrambling around this past week that I didn't know which day it was hardly. Jake sends me a nice <laughs> little picture this morning. He's got it all laid out on me. It makes it really easy for me. So Jake, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about boat control. And then I do have a question that I'm going to throw in here at the end. That's uh, not, not on your list, Jake. So, you know, oh, good, you, didn't, good. you didn't have all day to prepare for this one, but let's yeah, talk good, a little bit about going. boat control. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> yeah, boat control is mostly I meant is the speed of that you're going down the shoreline. And I like to try to, it's pretty slow. I, I'm trying to go a half mile an hour most of the time. Today, you know, we're both using those, you know, every you know, common bow mount trolling motors. But on the back of my boat, I have the Vantage. Uh, rear transom trolling motor, which you can steer, you know, with a you, 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 tiller control. So you turn the motor and, um, you know, prop is facing backward. I'm slowing down the boat actually. And um, to keep the boat, you know, slowing the speed down, I guess another way you could do that if you're not, um, if you don't have that option, is you know, use your trolling motor going into the wind. Um, you know, you could slow yourself doing that too, but I, I really prefer having everybody casting on the port side of the boat. So I, you know, prefer to slow down the boat in that case. Yeah. And speed is really important, Jeff. Uh, if it's a windy day and you don't have boat control and you're drifting too fast, suckers do not work very good at all. You got to have it so that the suckers will be able to still swim and turn a little bit and you know, do their little thing. And if you're pulling, if you're drifting too fast and you're pulling them behind the boat pretty soon, they're just gliding back there with their uh, pictorial fins hanging out like a kite. And, uh, they're just gliding along and 90% of the time, you're not going to get a fish on one like that. You got to be able to slow down enough that that sucker can do his little thing and swimming around. And sometimes you'll see a sucker come with all, even with that much lead on it, he'll come up to the top and, 
and then go back down again. And those are the ones, the strong suckers like that are the ones that are going to really pay off for you. And when you go to the bait shop and you start looking for suckers, you pick out the ones that are the darkest, blackest looking ones there are. And those are the strongest, healthiest ones. That's what I find out for all the years that I've been sucker fishing. And I've been catching muskies on suckers for many, many years. And the good, strong black ones, the pale ones, by the time you get them and hook them up with a quick set rig, they're dead. So look for the good, strong, healthy black ones. And uh, those are the ones that are going to catch a fish. That's a good tip. I don't think I ever even knew about that tip, looking for different colors of your suckers, too. I always just... Oh, well, there's two types of um, suckers. There's the pond-raised ones. They're the pale-looking ones when you go to the bait shop. And um, the wild-caught ones are the darker ones. You know, they're fighting currents their whole life. They're out of the rivers and streams around here. So they're the ones that you want to try to get if you, if you have a choice. I mean, some bait, bait shops might say, Jeff, uh, we have wild suckers. Well, what they're telling you is they got the good hardy ones that came out of rivers and were trapped, actually, instead of being raised in ponds and stuff like that. Those are the ones that are going to catch you the fish. That's good to know. I'll have to keep that in mind this this fall. I'm definitely hoping to run a couple suckers yet this fall. And Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I always pick up a couple tips from these podcasts as well. Kerry, I know that you've been listening along. Hopefully you're still awake. Uh, you can yeah, take yeah, any I, of this stuff back to Brad, so you can tell Brad, "Hey, it's time to start sucker fishing." I <laughs> uh, probably am not. <laughs> I figured. I know he's he's kind of an anti-sucker guy. He always says, "Like I'd rather catch him than feed him," or something like that. But yeah, I think that's probably what he says. But I'm in his defense. I've he's been on the water. I've even been on the water when. Uh, around here anyway, when artificials have outfished the suckers. Oh, and then, yeah. then they'll get a day that the suckers outfish the artificials. But yep. so yep. he's, he's, um, set in his ways. He's probably not going to sucker fish, but you never know. Well, uh, like I said before, that is the beautiful thing about Wisconsin. You can do both, you know, as long as it's not too cold. I mean, it's still great to get out there. You know, cast a jerk bait. I mean, Smitty, you guys have a bunch of those as well, too. And I know you guys catch fish on those things in the fall. It sounds like you guys catch them all, yeah, all season long on them. And, yeah. you know, so it's a great option. You can test it in Wisconsin all the time. You just, you know, still cast and good, drag some suckers and see what happens. That is a good point um, that we didn't talk about is the really late season, November, when it's, you know, 10 degrees or 20 degrees and you really can't cast. You know, your, your reels and lines will ice up too quickly. So sometimes we'll just um, pull the suckers around or vertical jigs. And that's something that, that's real late November stuff that we do too. I think that's the only time that I've ever even tried fishing. It was really late November and we couldn't, or tried sucker fishing, I should say. We couldn't even do that because it was so cold. Everything was icing up. So we ended up just quitting. Yeah, sometimes it just gets to that point where it's just too brutal that nothing will work. And, I mean, I've broken two or three reels in one day uh, when the ice forms on the level lines and uh, the rod guides are so frozen, the line wouldn't even slide through anymore. And that stuff does happen. And sometimes you just have to say, well, let's try it another day because it's not going to work for you. You're going to break all your equipment. It's very hard uh, for a fishing guide 
in late fall, like November, it's really hard on everything in your boat. It's hard on your electronics. It's hard on the trolling motors. It's hard on everything gets ice on it. Your power trim doesn't want to work right. And there's a lot of times when you just have to say, I got to say uncle. Yeah. You know, Carrie, uh, I know you like all the blades. Sometimes we'll run a blade on a, on a sucker. I'd like to try putting one of those 13 blades on one and see what'll happen. There you go. We run blades on them quite a bit. And the muskie we caught today was a blade on the, in front of the sucker. I had a small Indiana brass blade on the front of it, and that worked pretty good. It's a little extra attraction. Right, a little extra flash, I'm sure. Yeah, it helps. It, it gets your attention anyways. I bet. All right, before we let you guys go, because it is a Friday night, for anybody that cares, this is what we do on Friday nights when you're addicted to muskie fishing. You do podcasts, right? Um, yeah. What else are we gonna do? <laughs> Don't you go to the supper club and get a fish fry? That's what that's what normal that's what normal people do. That's not what we do. <laughs> right. Especially oh, after you, after you guys spent all day on the water. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, well. What would you say would be, you know, like the beginning musky angler, what's their biggest mistake they make when they're either running suckers or setting hooks set, you know, setting hooks on it? What you know, what's what do you think the biggest mistake is? What's something to avoid? I think that I always coach everybody to when you want to go to set the hook, say the muskie hits your sucker. I'm saying, you know, you have it on a pole, for instance, and the float is out, you know, runs out 50 feet of line from your boat, say something like that, or even on the deep line counter. And it's like 50, 60 feet from your boat. Well, I try to get within 25 feet at minimum where the fish is and then i tighten up i tell them to tighten up till they can actually feel the weight of the fish and then when you lift up on a fish a lift up on them just a little bit and what it does and this is a really important part when you lift up on a muskie when he knows something's just not quite right he starts to swim away from you that's the time to sock it to him because that's when he's facing the right way. Like some guys will tell you, you get right on top of him, straight down, and set the hook. Well, when you pull up on a muskie that's straight down, what it does is pull his head up, and he's facing towards you. It's facing right at you. And then you set the hook hard, you pull it right out of his mouth. So I like to keep him away from the boat a little bit, and when you, when you pull up on him a little and they start swimming the other way, that's the time to set the hook. And the biggest mistake people make is they don't know where the fish is facing. They don't know if he's facing towards you, he's facing away from you. But if you lift up on them, they're not going to let go of it. Once they got a taste of it, a lot of times they they got their teeth in it. They want to eat it. They know it's real. And so you lift up a little, get them swimming away a little bit, and then set the hook instead of guessing where he's facing, if he's facing towards you or he's looking up at, straight up from you, you're pulling them straight up, you're pulling the fish, the sucker out of his mouth. So I think that's my my point. Jake might have something else to add, but I would say that's what I always coach my clients to do is lift up a little, get them swimming, then set them. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I can't really say there's a, a better thing than the way he described the, the hook set and um, picking up on it a little bit. But like Just like you said, it makes them swim away. I like doing more of a across sweeps that I've been doing all then then pulling straight up when you do set the hook you know he's swimming away from you and I kind of 
set my hook um, more of a cross side sweep, sweeping the rod, which has really been working good for me. The only other major mistake probably is people working their boats too fast. Um, cover, you know, we already kind of covered that. Speeding your boat along like it's summertime and you're just trying to cover lots of water and your suckers are, we already covered it, I know, but you're planning out the suckers and they're not doing the job that they need to be. Well, you guys think you have anything else you need to add to this one? I, don't, I can't think of anything else, Jeff. I think we covered it pretty good. The only other thing is you get your hook sharpener out and make sure that all those hooks are like needles. I mean, I get, have blood in the boat from me usually every day because <laughs> I'm rigging them up and those dang suckers are so wild that they're sticking hooks into me. But I make sure that those hooks are really, really super sharp. And that's a very important part in the placement of your of your hooks are important too. I mean, there's space that you could put one towards, towards the head. Well, the bite, the bite on a sucker is usually about mid section, you know, towards the head a little bit, like in front of the, in front of the bottom uh, pictorials there. And that's a really good place to set your, if you're using just a one hook rig, or if you're using two trebles, you can place one back a little bit farther. Keep those hooks really, really super sharp. I'm telling you, and that's what, makes a difference in catching one and not catching them. Excellent. And I know you guys talked about it. You said you're booked up for this season. If somebody's looking to get in touch with you guys to get in the boat with you next season, because, you know, I know the winter's not too far off, but it seems like with shows and everything, I mean, we're going to be booking trips already for, you know, 2022. How do people go about doing that? It's best just to call or text us. Um, I'll give you my number and then my dad's number. Mine is 715 614 5381 and my dad's is 715-892-5999. Well, we want to thank you two for taking time out of your Friday night. I know that you've been on the water all day and this may have not been the very first thing that you wanted to do tonight, but I really do appreciate you guys taking time out of your schedule. I say it every week, you know, we can't do it without great guests such as yourself and, you know, we thank you very much for doing that. And we want to thank all of our listeners again for putting up with us for another week. Hopefully they learned something to help them put a couple extra fish in the boat this this uh, fall by dragging some suckers around. And uh, Carrie, I want to thank you for you know taking time out of your schedule to replace Brad because who knows if he's ever coming back. Oh, he'll be back. He'll be back. He's uh he's been he's been fishing a lot too. So. Well, that's good. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. We don't, you know it's never a a problem we we enjoy talking muskies anytime so it, we don't mind doing it at all yeah thank you very much it's uh, been my pleasure yeah we really appreciate it i want I, sometime i just want to get you guys on just to listen to us tell stories because oh I'm, yeah <laughs> I, mean, I have so many stories exactly. i was telling something in the boat i was telling stories in the boat today and jake probably heard us laughing i had some and my two guys going pretty good. I had some pretty good stories to tell them. Yeah, if, I, if it's not real windy, I can hear them all the way across the lake most times. <laughs> <laughs> so then, Jake, you don't want to be on that one because you've already heard the stories? <laughs> yeah, so, not all of them, no. Jeff. I got a few eat in here. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks again, guys. We want to thank our audience for coming out and listening to us again, and we'll catch everybody with a new pa- podcast again next week. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Have thank a good you. luck fishing. Good fishing.